everybody, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Cal here with you twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, wherever you get your podcasts as well, the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Uh, welcome back to me. I'm yes. happy to be back. You had a great episode. Uh, thanks to Allison Lucan for jumping in. That was a great conversation. Check it out in our archives. Uh, but I was busy being a total nerd, Wish. Uh, I was in Tampa doing Star Wars stuff. It was the best Star Wars night at the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Arena. This is the official shirt that they were giving yeah. out. We got like a movie poster vibe. We got the roster here. Um, we got Star Wars logos and uh, the ATATs, or are they at-ats, depending on how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. uh, I will also tell you that uh, a bunch of the players uh, were impressed by the shirt. They're like, hey, I want one too. So now I feel like I'm part of the Lightning roster for a second. And, and you and the boys from Never Tell Me the Odds, the official Star Wars podcast of ESPN, uh, you went to Galaxy's Edge as well. Your thoughts when you were taken prisoner by the First Order in the Rise of the Resistance ride. Were you worried about your safety, Arda? Uh, best ride I've ever been on by far. <laughs> the attention to detail is magnificent. The actors or the 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 employees, the people playing the parts, the speaking parts especially during yeah. the ride, outstanding uh, even smugglers run uh, that like just the the people that you interact with that work for Disney World uh, outstanding. So, yeah. And you and you made it out without being you made it out without being impaled on Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Yeah. So barely. I think you've done well for yourself. Exactly. Barely, barely. Yeah. So uh, thanks for the plug. Appreciate that. Clinton Yates, Ryan McGee, uh, who are our friends as well. Uh, we do the podcast together. It's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, that's why I was gone. But I'm back now. And we got a lot to talk about, my friend. We do. Uh, we Why don't we do a little winners and losers uh, from the weekend? I will start. Big winner, of course, the city of Chicago, the Blackhawks uh, and their fans. Uh, it was quite the party on Sunday. It was Chris Chelios retirement night. Uh, it was terrific. You just like the, the vibe of it was great. It matched Chris Chelios, the, you know, the rock star of the NHL <laughs> and you had rock stars in attendance and it was just like, just, just, it was a giant party as you would expect from a Chris Chelios retirement night. But of course, Patrick Kane returning to the, uh, to the United center and you couldn't have written it better. Him winning, scoring the game, winning goal in overtime. Like just the whole vibe was awesome. Wish. Dude, how appropriate on Chelios night to have a former Blackhawk help the Detroit Red Wings to victory. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect symmetry. Again, like I, I was really intrigued to see how Kane was going to be received in Chicago. He is wearing the winged wheel. It's not like he's coming back as a member of, you know, some random Eastern Conference team, uh, but cheered and, and obviously gets the game winning goal in overtime on a breakaway. The, the noise the crowd made after that was, I thought, more indicative of where my head would be at in this uh, in this rivalry, which is it was kind of like a we're cheering, but we're sad that we lost. But it's Kane. It was that kind of noise. But at the end of the day, again, man. And a tremendous moment for the Red Wings who are pushing extremely hard for the playoffs and in a very solid position in the wild card right now. And a tremendous moment for Patrick Kane, who not only is healthy, contributing, acting like a star again, but clearly backed the right horse in his free agency right. in choosing right. the Detroit Red Wings as uh, he wanted to be playing in the playoffs when he returned to the NHL after surgery. And he picked the right team, man. They look like the, the real deal, the Red Wings. 28 points in 27 games after returning from that hip injury that not many NHL players, quite frankly, return from, at least to their full form. And Patrick Kane looks absolutely stellar. And that will resume the question, right? Where does he rank among the greatest American-born hockey players of all time? 
A lot of people already had put him at number one even yeah. before this season, but it kind of sort of like this is almost the cherry on top to see him perform at this level, to see him put up these kind of numbers after a surgery like that is just another point to make in this argument. Like he's a clear cut number one today, isn't he? I think he is. I mean, you're, you're the other forwards you're you're matching him up against are Brett Hull, Mike Madano at center, Pat LaFontaine, you know, players that ilk. I, I think for me, when you think of the era in which Patrick Kane did all of this offensive wizardry, uh, it's more impressive to me than than Hall piling on the goals and points in the era in which he did most of his uh, productive work uh, prior to the trap years. Uh, but the thing about Kane as the best American-born player, and I do agree that he is right now, will he still hold the crown a dozen years mm. from now? I mean, we are watching Austin Matthews on track to a 70-plus goal season. We are watching Jack Hughes become a star at 21 years old for the New Jersey Devils. And when he's healthy, there are a few players that are better than him in this league. There is a wave of young players who, by the way, in the case of guys like Jack Hughes, grew up idolizing the way that Patrick Kane plays the game, who may one day unseat the man from the throne as the best U.S. born player. And again, like I said, it's going to be a certain amount of irony when the player that does it is like, I'm a, I'm a Patrick Kane fanboy. Uh, he was my guy growing up, and now I am uh, better than him in the U.S.-born player rankings. But for now, Kane, but watch over your shoulder, Patty, because there's an entire generation of players gaining on you. Absolutely. I like that a lot. And Austin Matthews, if he keeps going at this rate. I mean, look, I know this is way too early to say this, but he has a few more seasons like this, and people will absolutely start talking about him breaking Ovechkin's record. Yeah. So we're talking about Ovechkin breaking Gretzky's record. Matthews continues on this trajectory. He has a long career. He stays injury-free. He produces at this level. We're talking about, wow, could Matthews possibly get to 1,000 goals or on his career? It's wild to think, but, I mean, his production rate, it's incredible. If nothing else, he'll be one of the best goal-scoring centers in the history of the game. Loser for me, also from Chicago, Arda, Theo Epstein and Eddie Vedder. Theo Epstein, of course, the former Chicago Cubs president. Eddie Vedder, of course, a Pearl Jam singer. They competed in the center ice shootout. They shot the puck from center ice on Chris Chelios night in Chicago. And guess what? They failed. You know who didn't fail? Supermodel goddess Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford sunk the puck from center ice like she was Alex Ovechkin staring at an empty net. An incredible moment of athletic achievement from Cindy Crawford one of the formative personalities for young Greg Wyshynski, and now an yeah. ace shooter <laughs> in the center I shoot the puck competition. I like how you worded that, formative <laughs> personalities. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Pete Blackburn because I think he had the best tweet about Cindy Crawford. He said, greatest Crawford in Blackhawks history. <laughs> That's a great line. I, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and also, by the way, shout out to the uh, Blackhawks content team. They did a whole thing around Chelios night uh, with NHL 94 and like the back and forth. Between, actually, that, that'll go into my next winner um, is NHL 94 because they did this whole content play where they created a whole room from the 90s. And the centerpiece <laughs> was NHL 94 on Sega Genesis. And they matched up Nick Foligno and Connor Bedard. And obviously, Connor Bedard was born like... 
a decade, 11 years after the game came out and Nick Felino's like, Oh, I remember this as a kid and he's playing like they're playing and stuff. And like, you can see like they're sarcastic towards each other, which is great. Like they, they, they chirp each other. Like, I just want to hear them mic'd up all the time. Like they're a lot of fun, but there's this one part where Bedard's like trying to learn how to play the game and like a period in, he's like, I don't think I've made a pass once in this game. And Nick Felino's like, yeah, I know. I play with you. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. Amazing. That's absolutely so, yeah, perfect. Angel 94. My next loser is the Connor McDavid Edmonton Oilers Squeezy Mates toy. Look at this thing. What is Look this? at this thing. Think of what Connor McDavid looks like and now peer upon this toy. Connor McDavid does not look like Ron Weasley with a migraine, I don't believe, but here he is depicted as such in this Squeezy Mates toy. I have come to find out, though, Arda, that apparently all of the Edmonton Oilers look like this. The Leon Dreisaitl Squeezy Mates looks exactly like the Connor McDavid Squeezy Mates. Of course, when they're together, absolute twins. They, they, you can't tell them apart. Uh, these toys look like they're a delightful fun, although I think there is a certain amount of artistic license taken in them, Arda. Another winner from the weekend, Matt Rempe, the people's champion, definitely of the New York Rangers. Now, I know we are no longer in the era of the 80s, rough and tough enforcer NHL where we had graphics for Ty Domi and Bob Probert, the rematch <laughs> and the tale of the tale. Tail I tape. know that we are well past that era, but when you have a guy who, by the way, is like, you know, we talk about in pro wrestling, the freak pop, like you walk through an airport, everyone does a double take. Matt Rempe is 6'7", 230 pounds. He's going to make people look twice because of his sheer stature. And now he's on the ice. He's fought three times in five games. He has almost double the penalty minutes as he does time on ice in his five NHL career games. And he's getting challenged by the best of the best. Nick DeLaurier, uh, Olivier from uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, listen, he's making, whether you, whatever your stance on fighting is, that's not what I'm debating here. He's making fans. He's, it's entertainment viewing for a lot of people. And it's fun. And now I can't help. And I know that, you know, we're feeding the beast and saying this in a way, but I can't help but look forward to next Saturday when the Rangers are going to face the Leafs and you're thinking, hmm, I wonder if we have a tilt with Ryan Reeves on the docket or yeah. maybe against the Montreal Canadiens and it's Rempy versus Wi-Fi, you know, like <laughs> you're thinking of these things, whether you want to admit it publicly or not. And it's just another part of the game. And yes, let the players police this stuff. But listen, I'm getting caught up in it. So good, good on Matt Rempy. Not only that, but I mean, he's an agent of chaos. Like he he laid out Nate Bastion with a hit in that Devils game. It was illegal. He got kicked out of the game. But he's he gives the Rangers another Truba-esque agent of chaos who throws around his body with reckless abandon, gets physical. And that's an element that they were certainly missing despite all their success in the regular season. Finally, the loser for me from this past uh, week or since we last did the last show, the loser for me is you 2 at the Sphere. Now, Arda, oh. Barry Trotz, he moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> With his team plummeting down the standings, giving him vertigo and feeling they were stuck in a moment they couldn't get out of. The Nashville Predators GM and coach Andrew Burnett canceled a planned trip to see you 2 at the Sphere in Vegas, which would have been quite the beautiful day. The team was bad. The fans were numb. Management questioned their desire and felt that unforgettable fire was missing and they changed plans on the fly. That helped the Predators rediscover their pride. And Nashville won five in a row on the road from where the streets have no name to the city of blinding lights. 
Now, they still haven't found what they're looking for, but they are firmly in a wildcard spot. Unfortunately for you, too, it's a copycat league, so expect more teams to tell their players to walk on from the sphere in Vegas road trips because all I want is you to make the playoffs because that, Arda, is the sweetest thing. You would make an excellent local news broadcaster. <laughs> I love it. That held me, that thrilled me, that kissed me and killed me. Well Good job. Good job. Uh, and that made sense. That's the best part. It actually made sense to Thank the Predators' uh, 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 current situation. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you think of that, though? Like, they had it set up. It, I actually feel bad for the crew. Yeah. Like, because they were also going to go to the concert. And let's be honest. NHL players, especially if they're, you know, making great – all of them are making good money comparatively. But, like, if you're in the millions of dollars, you can go to any U2 concert you want, right? But, like, right. for the crew – you know, who uh, I feel bad that they weren't able to experience that because they may not have paid the money to go to a concert like that in the first place. Here's how I feel. In 2024, there are very few ways to get through to your players. You can threaten to demote them, put them on waivers. You can make a trade to shake things up. Um, but if you have a way to get through to them, you take that way. And if the way is to take away their U2 tickets to see them at the Sphere in Vegas, by God, tough love. You do the thing, and again, the proof is in the pudding. Winning streak after U2 ticket document. Done. Every team will do it now. I can't wait for the E60 documentary called The Sweetest Thing, where <laughs> it the, the crux of it is that moment where they don't go to the concert, but then when they win the Stanley Cup, right. they, they go to the U2 concert at the Sphere in like August, and they bring the Stanley Cup with them, and that's how the documentary ends. <laughs> them on stage Roman Yossi's holding it above his yeah. head and oh it, 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 it guarantee it guarantees that if they win the cup this year that they're they're walking out to even better than the real thing like obviously oh, I love it I love it uh it's even better than the real thing to have Kevin Weeks on the drop his maiden voyage here on our show but why not because it is trade deadline and he is our resident insider he's also a great dude here he is on the drop love working with this guy and i'm glad we can finally bring him on the drop hour espn nhl insider you've seen him on nhl network you've seen him up in canada all throughout coverage hockey night in canada he's had an illustrious career on and off the ice and he joins us now on the drop the great kevin weeks scarborough zone yes Uh, and and buddy i love your backdrop i have to say you have one of the cooler (laughs) backdrops uh and i and i saw that you bought some new masks including our guy michelle dion the penguin mask i love to see yes thank you so much thanks for that kind intro I might just lay out and let you continue the intro. I might be done, or I'm done after that. That's kind of a mic drop on that stuff. Man, that's too kind. Well, what's cool is we've got two Scarborough guys. We have two Jersey guys, right? And, that's right. And that's right. Jersey in the house. I, so, Indeed. Uh, and two, that's right. Two Scarborough guys, too. So it's all good, man. You guys uh, you guys do a great job. Uh, you both know that. I, I speak to you privately. I speak to you professionally. So, And also, we've got a new dad on here, too. So another relatively new dad. So congrats. Congrats to you and your family wish uh, and the little one. How's everybody doing? Most importantly, dude, it's, it's the best. It's great. Uh, I have uh, mastered the art of having Iris on my chest while I play video games. Oh. So <laughs> that's a, that's a real, that's a real that's big sweet. innovation so far. Shout out to the, to the Nintendo switch 
for making such an easy way for you to play games with a baby on your chest. <laughs> we, we that's all awesome have stuff, young man. Kids, right? Like yep. in and around yep. that one-year-old range. So that's awesome. Yep. Uh, so Absolutely. Lacey, we, we were mm. just talking about Patrick Kane, his return to Chicago, Chris Chelios night, uh, you know, two of the greatest American players to ever live in the same building on the same night. But that really got us thinking where Patrick Kane really lands on that list. I mean, he's done everything you could ask an NHL player to do. Where do you rank Patrick Kane in terms of the greatest American hockey players ever? Well, let me qualify it and say that I said this about three years ago on the NHL Network. Patrick Kane is the best American-born player in history. Mm -hmm. And that is not without any uh, disrespect or with any disrespect, excuse me, to any of the other players because I've played against many of the greats from the great Mike Medano to the great Brett Hall over to the great Brian Leach to the great Chris Chelios, who was rightfully um, rightfully had his number raised to the, to the rafters at United Center yesterday. Uh, I would tell you there's so many great American-born players, Jeremy Roenick, uh, the, the Mullen brothers, I think the suitors, I can go on and on and on of players that I played against that were among the best in that conversation. Mike Richter, I, I mean, there's, there's just so many to mention. Uh, and that really is a testament to how far the game has come. But I would say Patrick Kane, what he's doing in this era and what he's been able to do at his size uh, consistently through his career is absolutely mind-boggling. Not to mention now he's a medical marble because of the three players that have had this hip resurfacing surgery. Uh, the other two, credit to them, and one of them I played with, Ed Jovanovsky, um, for them, that basically was a jeopardy for their career to be able to continue their careers. Now it's good for them for everyday life, most importantly, but as far as playing Patrick Kane's the only one that's been able to come through this injury, the way he has the surgery, the way he has and perform at this level. He to me at this point is the all time best American player in the history of the game. And he'll definitely be cemented as that. Great point on the surgery there, Weeksy, as well. I mean, I, I, that's one of the reasons why nobody predicted this is because of the history of the other guys going through it and then coming back and not being able to pick up a thread. Kane, Kane's playing better than he did last year uh, right now with the, uh, with the Red Wings. It's unreal. All right, trade deadline coming up. You are, of course, somebody who has his finger on the pulse of the NHL goaltending community. Let me give you two names. Jacob Markstrom, UC Soros. What do you see as far as those guys go at the trade deadline? I see it as 50-50 uh, in both cases in terms of them being moved. Had it been weeks ago, I would have said 60-40, maybe even as high as 70-30. But let's just start with Markstrom. He's the best guy on the board. Jacob Markstrom, to me, would be a perfect piece for several clubs. Mm. But if I go out of our basement here and go and maybe the neighbors in the backyard across the fence, for them to stop asking me, Weeks, what are my devils going to do? Weeksy, what are my devils going to do? Well, first of all, I didn't know you're a part of the ownership group. Secondly, I didn't know you're in the lineup. But, hey, more importantly, I respect the passion. I see that puck over your shoulder, Wish. The, uh, the rainbow version of the Devils logo there. New Jersey would be the perfect place. Would absolutely be the perfect place for Markstrom. Uh, but the Calgary Flames are making a bit of a push. Yeah, I'm not sure they want to part with Markstrom at this point. It doesn't appear like they're really fully eager. I know that the talks had gone down the line with the, with the Devils. Uh, it seemed relatively close. I've confirmed that in speaking to some people within the organization at the Stadium Series game a couple weeks ago. So right now... This is a 50-50 proposition on if Calgary will choose to move him or not. But I know one thing, the Devils need him. Let me pivot quickly to your guy, UC Soros, as well, who I'm a yeah. huge fan of down in Nashville. 
oh, how many games have they won in a row now? Now they won four in a row. I know Lankinen just played uh, last night and played well, but they're now in a playoff spot. They're in wild card two, if I'm not mistaken, in the Western Conference and Nashville Predators. Saros has one more year on his deal, I believe. Markstrom has two more years on his deal. And I think in the case of UC Saros, him and his agent, and rightfully so, are looking at the top of the marketplace for a UFA goalie potentially, which is in and around where Connor Hellebuck came in mm-hmm. and his new contract extension. Mm-hmm. So I would also put that as a 50-50. If the Devils don't get Markstrom, could should they get Soros? Absolutely. I think UC Soros is a really good goalie. But in both cases, I see it as being 50-50 as of today. Before we get to Calgary, I wanted to ask you, though, like, do you think it's too late for the Devils? I mean, I've always felt, and I've said this on the show before, that this season could easily be a mulligan. No Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Jack's hurt. Um, they're not playing well. Sometimes that tells you whether you should be rewarded with uh, something at the trade deadline uh, or not. Do you, do you think they take a mulligan on this season and, and rethink the goaltending situation in the offseason? Or do you think there's still a chance that they could push all their chips in and, and maybe try to snag that number three seed in the Metro? By, by the way, Weeksy, uh, wishes your neighbor beyond the fence right now. He's, <laughs> <playing that part>. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Mr. Wilson and Dennis the Menace. Yeah, just peeping over the fence line. Uh, I would say that's a great question. I believe that they waited too long to do this. Mm-hmm. It's not for a lack of effort. Uh, and I'll qualify it again. You know, I played with Tommy Fitz. I played with Marty and other people in that front office and, and in around the staff. So uh, I know they've been working really hard on it. But I, to, the, to me, this predates it all. This goes back to us being in the draft at Nashville. Yeah. Being at the draft in Nashville, Tennessee, rather. And I thought then... Connor Hellebuck, get Connor Hellebuck, get Connor Hellebuck. And they had some discussions because it wasn't it wasn't uh, a slam dunk that he was going to resign to stay in Winnipeg. Right. The door was partially open and they missed out on that one. That would have transformed their entire franchise, the entire season and their course going forward. They missed that. Mm-hmm. Then on the Markstrom one, you can go back on Twitter. Was, I don't know, as much as six weeks ago. Same thing. I put it out. Now a lot of the Devils fans, as I mentioned, are asking me, What's happening? Are we getting them? Are we not going to get them? Are we getting so all that to say is all the hope lost for the year? No, but the sands in the hourglass, like days of our lives say, those sands of the hourglass are just dwindling down really quickly, and it's making it very difficult. Could it happen if they get a goalie? Of course, yeah. But the way it's going right now, it's uh, they're up against it. And time is becoming very unfriendly to the Devils right now in terms of their pursuit of a spot. See, like a Days of Our Lives reference, which this is why I love. Like Weeksy working on cameras, like Weeksy's, Weeksy's are he's our guiding light. The references are perfect. Like it's just like my He's our guiding light. We, we'd be we'd be in General Hospital were it not for him being on the show. Yes, exactly. Or we might be working for Jaboke. Or we might be working for Shabol yep, Cosmetics. Yep. We would be young and restless if, <laughs> if not for Week C, just perfect. Uh, Week C, uh, the Calgary Flames, let's generalize that. couple yeah. names obviously bandied about in that organization. How busy do you think they will be come trade deadline? Well, they hold they hold the majority of the chips that everybody's looking for. And, you know, same thing. Just half of our family lives up in Alberta, so... Uh, I have to qualify this and, and also dealing with their questions and manage their expectations. But all that to say, uh, okay, so th- for the Flames, it's the interesting ones, right? So we know the the one in Markstrom uh, in terms of drawing interest, the two defensemen in Tanev, and, uh, and of course in Noah Hannafin. Remember, Zadorov was a part of that, that game against the Leafs. I tweeted after that game. He was subsequently traded, I think, maybe 10 days later to Vancouver. So he's off the board. But here's another name I'll give you, too, is – 
uh, on the back end, number four, Mr. Anderson on the back end for them. Mm, yeah. He is a very good defenseman. He's at a very good contract, foreign change. And he's somebody that teams are certainly interested in because they see a lot of value there and a lot of potential value plus his age relative to the contract in his comp. You know, he's, he's got a proven record now as being a real good NHL defenseman, especially in that Western Conference. So he's a name that's also drawing interest. All of that to say, if I'm the Calgary Flames, I think I'm I'm moving, unless Noah Hannafin wants to resign, I'm trying to move at least two of those pieces. Yeah. And who the two happen to be, I'm not sure, but at least two of those pieces. And I'm going to give you another name, and I'm not sure that they want to move him because I'm also told that the Flames want to do a retool. Okay. It's not a rebuild. No. But if I'm another team, I am all, all in on Blake Coleman. Amen to that. Absolutely. Blake Shelton. Props to Blake Shelton. But I'm all in on (laughs) Blake Coleman, the big Texan. I'd be all in on him. He's an absolute baller. He's a warrior. He chips in offensively. He's won in Tampa. He's he's a piece. I haven't heard his name being mentioned that, that much to this point. But I'm surprised that I haven't since people are looking at Calgary as a team that's holding a lot of the chips. He's got some trade protection, which might throw monkey wrench in the plans. But I yes. mean, like you said, if it's a retool and he doesn't want to necessarily be there, maybe have his, has designs on trying to land a cup. I mean, he is. I mean, you talk about teams that need some help uh, and, and a guy that could, he's he's like a much better version of, of Adam Henrique. It's, it's like a guy that can play in all situations. Uh, can put put points on the board like he's real good I, I agree and he's got he's got the contract uh in, in you know going a bit longer term than a pending UFA mm-hmm. like Henrik too um I wanted to ask you about the Penguins it seems mm-hmm. like every win every loss <laughs> it's a gigantic <laughs> swing as to whether they should sell Jake Gensel or keep Jake Gensel I've had people say he's good as gone I've had people say there's no way they're trading the best line uh, line mate that's that Sid has ever had where do you land on where the Penguins might be at the deadline Man, oh man. Well, I think for the Penguins, they're in a real tough spot because they're close enough but far enough. And and within that, that kind of pales in comparison to how great they've been and what they've done and the long-term success that they've had and the winning pedigree. So they've reached a kind of an, an interesting stage within the kind of evolution of their team and their franchise. Hey, I say this all the time and I'll say it again. They were really, really hungry and thirsty to get Kyle Dubas. He's a guy that they targeted, that they thought, and they believe is, uh, you know, a, a young hockey genius. This is why they pay him the big bucks to figure it out. So what does that look like? Why not get aggressive, move Jake Gensel? He can always come back in the offseason if he wants to. <laughs> if he wants yeah. to come back, he can always come back. There's no, there's no saying he can't resign. I know that's very rare. Those instances are very rare for a whole host of reasons, emotional, market, everything else. But nonetheless, listen, Sid's his guy. I'm sure Sid will be able to help in the recruiting process, but if they can net a nice four-piece return for him, three pieces return, that helps accelerate uh, their uh, their kind of retool, I would certainly be looking at that and anything else. A guy like Riley Smith, who I don't necessarily think will re-sign there, is another really good piece in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. who's won a cup in Vegas, another versatile uh, player that can play up and down your lineup. So if I'm the Pens, just I, I know they're, they had that big win yesterday in the battle of the, the Keystone State. But if I were them, I would certainly try to make some of these, some of these moves to jumpstart this retool as quickly as possible. Weeksy, you've been uh, really generous with your time. Here's my last question. Player, 
team who intrigues you the most going into trade deadline? Okay. How about I do the reverse and start with team? No. I'll say teams, uh, two teams nope. that intrigue me the most. One, the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Absolutely. Because I love the way they just lurk in the shadows in the late that night in the Serengeti, like some of the like some of the predators that are there, just in the tall grasses. In the I love belt. the way they yes. it, exactly. And just waiting to stalk on their prey. And I've always uh, been uh, very, very impressed with Bill Foley and the ownership group and their entire group and what Kelly and uh, and George have done there and the staff because they shocked the world right from the outset and they've continued doing so. So I, I, I'm very intrigued by what they may do as a club. Uh, and I would say as a player, Noah Hannafin. Yeah, yeah. Noah Hannafin. He he's the one holding a lot of the cards, you know. Unlike Markstrom, per se, um, you know, Hannafin had that deal on the table. Markstrom's on an existing contract. Hannafin had a deal. He's like, okay, hold on, guys, uh, give me a sec. Let me just take a second to pause. I gotta think this over, which <laughs> uh-huh. is his right to do. And I and I'm yeah. glad that he he's going through the process and the various emotions and you know his calculations for him and his family and what's best for them. But he's he's the biggest name on the trade board for me. And he's a pending UFA. He holds a lot of control. American-born player. Does he want to stay in Calgary? I'm not sure. Only he can answer it. Does he want to come to the market? So Noah Hannafin is the most intriguing one for me, just based on him being the the apple in everybody's eye, including the Calgary Flames who would like to retain him. Awesome. Kevin Weeks, you're one of our favorite insiders. You bring it every time. We can't wait to watch you on the ESPN Trade Deadline Show. Thank you so much for joining us, my man. Thanks so much, fellas. Thanks so much. Congrats to you and your family, brother. Ards, I'll Thank see you. you in studio tomorrow, I believe, it's, right? By the way, yeah, it's week C week at ESPN, <laughs> Tuesday and Thursday, point wow. double headers on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, so I'm expecting at least three News of the Week's segments. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot to Weeksy for joining us here on The Drop. Why don't we keep the trade deadline conversation going? We'll ask some questions. We'll have some answers. The most fascinating buyer at the trade deadline, Greg Wyshynski, in your opinion, is? The New York Rangers. I mean, they've shown that they're a Stanley Cup contender. They've also shown that they have some needs in their lineup. Blake Wheeler, done for the season. Philip Heedle, done for the season. A wing, a center. I think those are the two places they're going to look at the trade deadline. And, and I, you know, if they can fill those spots with everything else going the right way for them uh, and some great goaltending, they're going to challenge in the East for sure. The Golden Knights suddenly have some cap room. Boy, do they. (laughs) And I am very curious to see how they will use it. Maybe they'll just get all three Calgary Flames players, (laughs) Hannah Fintanev and Markstrom. Why not? Just get them all. (laughs) Can we pause on that for a second? Like, here's the thing. There there was a lot said when Mark Stone was injured and Uh his injury ended up being a lacerated spleen. There was a lot of like, oh, you know, all you people saying they're faking it for cap space. He's got a lacerated spleen. No one thinks people fake injuries. No one thinks that teams invent surgeries. That's not what people think when they say you're circumventing the cap. You know what they think? They think that Mark Stone could come back to play in game 82 if he is then healthy enough to play in game one of the playoffs. That's what we're talking about. We oh, He's got a last-rated spleen. We're not saying he doesn't. No, we're absolutely. saying that there is a very good chance that they might just push it a little bit further in the rehab to get to the game one of the playoffs. 
That's what we're talking about. We're not monsters. These guys are actually hurt. They're in pain. But they do fudge it a little bit when it comes to game 82 versus game one of the playoffs. That's all and we're saying. They're operating within the rules that exist. Yes, they should. Pertains. So you can't blame them for that. No, you can't. I completely. That's the other thing, too. Like, do all you can to circumvent the cap. The cap sucks. I'm a luxury tax guy. I have no problem with the Kucherov thing. I got no problem with what Vegas did last year. I have no problem with the year Patrick Kane and, the, and with, with the Blackhawks doing that with Patrick Kane. Like, if you can find ways around the cap, do it. But again, like, that's what we're talking about. We're not saying he's, like, faking a lacerated spleen. We're saying that he's probably at some point maybe going to be healthy enough to play. And then it's just like, oh, he's back with the playoffs. That's all we're saying. One of our producers at the NHL, Mark Schumann, had a good point on this. He said, what about if you just were cap compliant with the players you put on the ice every game? Like in the playoffs, you mean? Yeah, like like you can yeah. have play you can have a total roster that exceeds the cap, but whoever you are dressing for the game, that roster needs to be cap compliant. I think that's a fair thing if we actually really wanted the salary cap to matter in the playoffs. For me, I want the playoffs to be its own animal. I want the playoffs okay. to be Thunderdome. If you could find a way to get uh, a $120 million team on the ice in the playoffs and you found a way to make the playoffs with those guys on LTIR, more power to you. Go Vegas, go. A playoff contender that should actually sell. Uh, the first team that came to mind for me are the Flyers just because I just don't know whether they are a Stanley Cup contending team at the moment. Uh, a lot of people believe that they are punching well out of their weight at the moment. But hey, that's the torts effect, a fantastic, one of the best coaches in history. So you have a great vibe going on with the Philadelphia Flyers, but what does that mean in the postseason? So I I, I will more say I wonder, they're going to be an interesting team to me. They might be the second most fascinating team to me because I wonder if they're going to sell off pieces at the deadline or do they improve? Stan Pat? That's a tough decision to make if you're that new regime, right? With Keith yeah. Jones at the top. I don't think they'll acquire anybody. I think I think they're going to roll with what they have. And then if anything, you could see Sealer and Walker get traded. You could see Lawton maybe get traded if they get blown away by a deal. But I don't think they're going to be a buyer. Uh, for me, the team that should actually sell is the New York Islanders. The New York, again, the Islanders have a 10% chance of making the playoffs. They hired Patrick Watt too late to really make a difference, I think. Um, and they've got 16 players under contract for next season on a team that in will probably miss the playoffs this season. So, you know, if there's an offer for Brock Nelson that blows you away, make the trade. You know, I, I think there's it's time for Lou Lamarillo to dig into this roster that he loves so much and believes in so much and change the configuration for next season. Yeah. Uh, one player you would want to see traded, Wish. Uh, give me Casey Middlestat of the Buffalo Sabres. He's put together two good seasons back to back in Buffalo. He's an RFA this summer. Um, I I think he's you know he's getting up there in, in years. Uh, I, I think it'd be kind of behoove them to get a good return for him now. Sell high, and I would love to see Casey Middlestat fill that second line center role with the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, that'd be a really good place for him. Absolutely, and man, the Sabres, what a. What a crazy story there. We were talking very differently about that team at the start of the season than Boy, we where are we? right now. Uh, Jake Gensel, give me maximum chaos. The, the 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 streak is over. What is it, 17 seasons where all three of them, Malkin, Crosby, and Gensel have been together? The longest trio together on the same team in professional North American professional sports. Uh, this is where it ends. This is it. Goodbye, Jake. 
We will give you all the flowers when you return to Pittsburgh, but this will be the end of the road in a week or two. You, you know who else I'd like to see traded? Pavel Busnevich of the St. Louis Blues. Let me give you one mock trade. Okay, you can okay. tell me if this works for you, okay? Okay. And we have a, a, few, a few mock trades on ESPN.com today you can check out from me, Kristen, and Ryan. Okay. The Vegas Golden Knights get Pavel Busnevich. Mm. The Blues get a 2024 first rounder, a 2025 second rounder, center Brendan Brisson, defenseman Lucas Cormier, who's, a, who's, who's in the minor leagues. What say you? Is that enough to land two years of Pavel Buchnevich in uh, in Vegas? Sounds like a good trade. Uh, does Pat Brisson uh, agent the trade? Is he involved? <laughs> Will you offend him? Will you offend him if you trade him to say, I don't know. That's that's the backroom stuff Kelly McCrimmon's going to have to figure out. But again, like they did business, did the Blues and Golden Knights on the Barbashev trade last yeah. year. Yeah. I think there's a fit. I think where Vegas is looking is the wing. Uh, and and having Bushnevich on that roster for the next two years would help, you know, increase the size of their cup wing window, which is already pretty big to win another one. And, and that would, yeah, like a great piece, top six guy. And actually the spotlight would not be on him in Vegas at all either. Nope. Like he could absolutely operate, uh, not necessarily in the shadows, but he could clearly not be relied upon to be the number one guy. So that that's actually a really good scenario. Why, thank you. Uh, so that does it for us here on The Drop. We thank you for watching and listening wherever you get your podcasts or the NHL and ESPN YouTube every Tuesday and Friday, twice every single week. And go and check out the other videos. Uh, our own colleague Emily Kaplan has some trade deadline talk videos on the NHL and ESPN YouTube. Definitely check that out as well. Until then, we will see you on Friday. Bye.